Um, tonight we are in Genesis chapter 40. Yeah, last week we covered uh, 39 and tonight we find ourselves in chapter 40. <clears throat> Interesting chapter. Um, at this point uh, in Genesis, Joseph has become uh, really the central figure in the remainder of the book of Genesis. That's where we're at. You know, Joseph's kind of the central guy here. Um, and uh, some will say that Joseph is a beautiful type of Christ, you know, in Scripture. Um, but really, there's not a basis for that conclusion. Um, now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of parallels between the two, but uh, you know, in order for somebody in Scripture to be uh, really a type of Christ, the Old or the New Testament has to teach that in, that that individual is a type of Christ. Uh, for example, we have Adam. You know, First Corinthians compares him as um, as uh, Jesus. I'm sorry, Adam as as the first Adam, and Jesus Christ as the second Adam. So it teaches that. So that's an example there. Uh, but there's not a, a, a text that really teaches that Joseph is a type of Christ. Um, but like we said, there are undoubtedly a lot of parallels uh, between Joseph and Jesus Christ. You know, you can't deny those throughout the scriptures. Um, for example, uh, you know, Joseph was beloved by his father in chapter 37. Uh, but the, the gospels say that... Uh, God said about Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You know, um, uh, Joseph's brothers conspired against him in chapter 37. You know, we also see that uh, Jesus was conspired against in, in Matthew uh, 27, for example. Um, Joseph was stripped of his garments, so was Jesus. Uh, Joseph was sold for silver, so was Jesus. Um, Joseph's brothers did not recognize him the first time. And likewise, the Jews did not recognize their Messiah the first time around. You know, but they will the second time on eventually. Um, Joseph was tempted, and yet he did not sin in chapter 39. And uh, we see the same with Jesus. It says he was tempted in all ways, yet he was without sin. Um, just a lot of different examples. Joseph was bound. Jesus was bound. Um, uh there's really a whole list that we can keep going through. Uh, Joseph was cast into a pit and later, later delivered out of it. You know, Jesus was, you know, cast into the lower uh, parts of the earth. Um, you know, Joseph was imprisoned on false charges. So was Jesus. So there's just a lot of these parallels. And the list goes on and on. You know, we could probably spend a good half hour just going through them, comparing them. But... Um, Joseph's story here, it offers us a lot of practical uh, lessons, really, uh, regarding difficulty that are beyond our control in life at times. Uh, and often situations that we think maybe be unfair or unjust uh, to us. Um, but yet we see that God is completely behind these situations, working His purposes and His plans for our lives. Um, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, as many of us know, says, that uh, God knows the thoughts he thinks towards us, thoughts towards uh, peace, not of evil, to give us a future and a hope. You know, and God, if we belong to him, he has that plan for us, as he did for Joseph. Um, you know, in chapters 39 through, really through 41, is sort of um, 
uh, it's a unit that reveals the hand of God uh, uh, fulfilling really a prophecy regarding Israel. And, and we're kind of in the middle of that right now. So having said that, uh, I, let's dive right into chapter 40. It says uh, that it came to pass after these things in verse 1. Uh, that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt uh, offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with the two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the prison, the place uh, where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, so they were in custody for a while. Then the butler... And the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream. Both of them, each man's dream in one night, and each man's dream had its own interpretation. So Joseph came into them in the morning, and he looked at them, and he saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers, who were with him in the custody of the Lord's house, and he said, Why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, We have had a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. So the chief butler told this dream to Joseph and said to him, Behold now, there was in my dream a vine before me. And in the vine were three branches, uh, as though it had budded. Uh, Its blossoms shot forth, and its clusters brought forth grapes. So the Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, and I pressed them into the Pharaoh's cup. And I placed the cup into the Pharaoh's hand. Uh, And Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. uh, And within three days, Pharaoh will lift your head and he will restore you to your place. And you will put the Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner when you were his butler. But remember me uh, when it is well with you. And please show kindness to me and make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews, and also I have done nothing here uh, that they should have put me in the dungeon. So the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, and he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. And here uh, in my dream were three baskets on on my head. In the utmost basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, and the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. So Joseph answered and he said, this is the interpretation of it. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, uh, the Pharaoh will lift your head from you and he will hang you from a tree. (laughs) And the birds will eat your flesh from you. It's not a happy ending, is it? (laughs) Poor guy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So now when it came to pass, it gets even worse. When it came to pass (laughs) on the third day, when the Pharaoh's, uh, on the Pharaoh's birthday, that there was a feast for all his servants, and he lifted the head of the chief butler and the chief baker among the servants, and he restored uh, the chief butler to his butlership once again, and he placed the cup in the Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker, as Joseph had interpreted to them. <laughs> so, his interpretation was accurate, obviously. Um, yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but he forgot about him. So that's where we're going to that's our text for tonight. Um, let's start with verse 1 through 4. Uh, the butler and the baker being imprisoned. Um, verse 1 and 2. Um, 
kind of talks about the reason for their imprisonment. It said they had made the Pharaoh angry, you know, and they had been placed into prison. Um, as far as how long they were going to do time, that was, it's uncertain. It doesn't really say, but it does seem to indicate it's a long time. Uh, it says that both offended their Lord, the King of Egypt. And like we said earlier, the, the butler, he, he was um, a cupbearer. He was a confidant to the king, and he was the one who would make sure that the king's drink didn't get poisoned. You know, he would test it, and, and you know, if he died, then, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, we see examples of this in Scripture, and, and the baker was the head of all the bakers. He was kind of the guy in charge of everyone else. Um, and whatever they did, their actions the, caused the Pharaoh to be angry, you know, with his two, his two guys here, the chief butler and the baker. And like we said, we don't really know why, but maybe there was an attempt to poison the Pharaoh on his life, you know, since their job is kind of related to that. Who knows? You know, doesn't really say, but it, it's possible that something could have happened along those lines. Um, so then uh, verses 3 through 4, um, you know, we see their custody here. Uh, the king placed them in custody, you know, in the house of the captain of the guard of the prison, which was Potiphar. We know that about him. He's, he's called that uh, a few chapters back. Um, it was the place where Joseph was confined in prison. You know, we see that in verse 3. Um, and the captain of the guard, Potiphar, charged Joseph with them, uh, and Joseph served them, it says in verse 4, and, and they were in custody for a while, the latter part of, of verse 4. Um, and here we, you know, we start to see the beginning of God's hand uh, moving so that Joseph can meet the butler of Pharaoh, you know. Uh, where it's going to become more clear, you know, as, as we move forward. But you see the beginning of that here. You know, they're in the same place. They're confined. And, and God is moving behind the scenes here. Uh, so, verses 5 uh, all the way down to 19, really, uh, their dreams are, are described. Um, like we had just read. Um, you know, verses 5 and 6 uh, says, you know, they were both in the same prison. They both had a dream. Each man had his own dream on the same night, and each dream had its own interpretation. Um, and Joseph comes to them in the morning in verse 6, and he noticed that they were they were sad. They were bummed out. You know, something about them just wasn't um, right, I guess. Uh, the word there for sad... Uh, means almost sick looking um and it has the root word to be furious to be angry the result of being frustrated you know sometimes something just bothers you and it almost makes you feel sick and and that's more or less how they felt that's what the word means there um there's another word for it in the book of daniel uh you know the whole story and i believe it's in chapter one uh, it says, And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who has appointed your food and drink, for why should he see your faces looking worse than the other young men who are your age? So that word looking worse, it's kind of sickly and, and just not uh, not healthy. Um, so in verses 7 and 8, Joseph asks about their, their condition, really, that, that morning. 
uh, Joseph asks them, why do you guys look so sad today? In verse 7. And I think what this shows here is that Joseph was a man of keen insight with people. Um, you know, he was sensitive to others. You know, he noticed that they were both depressed or frustrated or sad or whatnot. You know, he was able to see that and, and he asked them about it. Um, you know, I started thinking, had Joseph been so consumed with his situation, you know, dwelling in his own self-pity, which he really had all the right <laughs> to, you know, poor guy, you know, didn't do anything wrong. And yet he finds himself locked up. Um, he would have completely missed on how God was trying to work to get him out of prison, you know, and ultimately in an even greater plan to save Israel from a famine, you know. So I think that's um, important for us, you know, as believers. We may be going through difficulty just to not let our situations uh, distract us from what God may be trying to accomplish, you know. And and I'm speaking for myself, and I'm sure um, many of you can relate, you know, at times. You know, it's easy just to let those frustrations or whatnot uh, just kind of fog and blind us from what God is trying to do. Um, also, too, you know, it's important for us to be sensitive to others. You know, we never know how God's going to use that sensitivity for his glory as he did with Joseph. You know, and I think especially as, as guys, as men, <laughs> you know, uh, it's important for us to be sensitive to the needs of others since sensitive, sensitivity may not always be our strong point. Some of us may be the exception, but... <laughs> Generally speaking, sometimes somebody that we know may, yeah, not be feeling well or, you know, and we're just totally oblivious to it, you know. Women are sometimes generally a little more sensitive to, you know, how the needs of others and how they feel or look or whatnot. And I think it's just important as, as men too. And Joseph obviously was a good example of that. Um, um, and I'm speaking for myself first and foremost, you know, as a guy. Um so they respond and they say, uh, we each had a dream and there's no interpreter of it in verse 8. And Joseph responds, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please, in the latter part of verse 8. Um, we know that God has spoken to Pharaoh, Solomon, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, here Joseph, um, also Joseph the husband of Mary, the mother of Jesus, uh, through dreams. That is something that God uses to, to speak to people. Um, and we also see here that Joseph is humble about it. Kind of like Daniel before Nebuchadnezzar. You know, he gives God the credit about it. You know, do not interpretations belong to God? You know, tell them to me. But he first gives the credit to God. He doesn't say, oh yeah, you know, I'm the, the you know, wizard, the guru of, you know, interpreting dreams, you know. I'll have to charge you for it, you know. <laughs> you know, he doesn't do that. He just, oh, I'll, isn't God the one who interprets dreams? Tell me. And that was it. Uh, Daniel says something similar in Daniel uh, chapter 2. He says, But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Uh, your dream and your visions of your head upon your bed. Kind of sounds like Dr. Seuss. <laughs> Were these. And then he goes on to describe the dreams. And then in verse 30 he says, But as for me, this secret has not, uh, been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than anyone, but for our sakes who have made known the interpretation to the king that you may know the thoughts of your heart. So in other words, you know, Daniel's more or less saying the same thing. It's not because I'm so wise or smart or whatnot. He gives the credit to God. Um, you know, there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. Um, 
So verses 9 through 11, we see the baker uh, shares his dream first. Um, and um, I'm sorry, the, the butler shares his dream first. You know, with the, the, the cup and the, the grapes and so forth. Um, and then in verses uh, 12, starting with verse 12, Joseph interprets the dream, you know, and he says the three branches are three days. And in three days, Pharaoh's going to get you out of here and, and you're going to have your old job back. You know, you're going to be back doing what you did before you were you were locked up in here. Um, you know, pretty much straight, pretty straightforward. Uh, and then as we read in verses 16 through 17, the, the baker shares his dream next. He's thinking, oh, wow, that interpretation's good. Better share mine too. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> he just got a different answer. <laughs> Same answer, but different. <laughs> and um, once again, Joseph interprets the dream and says, well, you know, the three baskets are also three days, but, you know, in three days, it's just not going to end up so well for him. <laughs> um, so that's what ends up happening there. Um, so then we have uh verses 20 through through 23 we see the fulfillment of the interpretation of these dreams you know it says that it came to pass on the third day uh which was pharaoh's birthday that he made a feast for all the servants and he lifted the head of the chief butler and the chief baker among the servants it says once again he restored the chief butler to his butlership and he placed the cup in the Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Uh, yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but he forgot about him. Um, so basically, everything came to pass. You know, what Joseph had interpreted was true. You know, God was indeed speaking through him, um, and, and his interpretation was accurate. Like we said, the third day, it was the Pharaoh's birthday, you know, and he, he made a big, big party for himself and all the servants. Um, and like when it says that he lifted up the head, obviously that means he gave his job back to, to the baker. Um, and like we read, he placed it in his hand. Um, but yet in verse thir- uh, 23, we see a, a disappointment of Joseph here. Um it says that the chief butler did not remember Joseph, yet, uh, in contrast, he actually forgot about him. Which, you can only imagine for Joseph, was, you know, a, a pretty big bummer. You know, poor guy, he was thinking, no, this is my chance to get out, and now this guy pretty much forgot about him. Um, you know, it says that the guy forgot about Joseph, yet, that actually... I think says on the flip side that God did not forget about Joseph. You know, God did remember, uh, and that is why the butler didn't actually, because God um, had a more important purpose than an urgent need to release Joseph right then and there. You know, sometimes I think we're in situations too, and I can speak for myself and we just want to get out of it, you know, and, and, (laughs) God has a bigger plan in mind. You know, sometimes had he removed us right away from that situation, uh, his purpose may not have been fulfilled the way he intended. You know, sometimes we just want the quick way out. I know I do at times. And and that was uh, how God was working here. God had the entire nation of Israel in mind, 
at this point. You know, Esther is another example of that. Um, you know, we see that Jesus spent 30 years of his life preparing for a three-year ministry. You know, um, you know, it's all in God's timing, really. You know, even as Abraham, you know, he had to wait for a son. You know, the guy was, you know, ancient. <laughs> and in God promised him a son. I mean, I'm sure there were times where he doubted that it would even happen. You know, like, was I even, you know, was I tripping or what? You know, <laughs> God going to pull through here. But um, God had a greater purpose in mind. Moses, uh, he was 80 years old before he delivered the um, children of Israel from the promised land. You know, and, and, and Moses was eager. You know, he wanted to help his people. As a young man, you know, he went and killed an Egyptian, hit him in the sand. You know, he was pretty gung-ho about it. But yet, God had him prepared until he was, you know, 80 years old. Uh, David, we see a King David, you know, he had to wait till uh, the death of Saul. You know, God had called him to be the king, but it wasn't an immediate uh, thing that was going to happen right then and there. He had years of, of uh, hiding, years of, you know, you read the Psalms and there's times where he was, you know, God, are you, you know, you even there, I'm, you know, hiding from this guy, everyone around me wants to kill me. Um, but all these great plans that God had for these these men that God used mightily, if you notice, like they weren't immediate plans, you know, none of them were. Which I think for us should be encouraging, you know, those of us who may feel disappointed tonight, like maybe we're waiting for nothing, you know, to happen as far as our lives go or maybe our situation or uh, maybe even just God's plan for our lives, you know. Um, you know, a lot of times uh, our disappointments in life are really God's appointments in disguise, you know, uh, as we're going to see in Joseph's life as we continue, you know, through the book of Genesis. We see that God had not only a plan, but he had a great plan for Joseph's life. And, and not only for Joseph, but for the whole nation of Israel. I mean, the way he used him, it, it's just incredible. Is one of the patriarchs of, of the Bible. Um, notice also, though, going back a few chapters with Judah, when we were in chapter uh, 38, you know, Joseph's brother Judah, you know, the guy lived in comfort at the time. Poor Joseph was, you know, being sold into uh, slavery, and yet his brother Judah was living a pretty comfortable life. Yet the guy... <laughs> obviously had issues and, you know, was living in carnality, as we remember from that chapter. Um, but yet, like we said, we see Joseph here. He's living in difficulty. He's in prison. He's suffering. He's being accused for things he didn't do. Uh, yet he's living upright. Uh, and and he's being prepared, really, by God for, for a much bigger plan. Um, you know, and I think it just goes to show that suffering, as hard as it is to accept it at times, I know for you know, speaking for myself, it's often good for us, you know, for one, it keeps us out of trouble, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, um, and it can also prepare us for a greater plan that God has in mind for our lives, as we see here with Joseph. Um, it's also important uh, to keep in mind that, you know, as a believer, uh, suffering for Christ is really part of the package deal. You know, um, 
we see many examples of this in Scripture. Uh, if you don't mind, I'm just going to flip around to just a couple. Uh, one being uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 17. <clears throat> And uh, it says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may be glorified together. We see the, the theme of suffering here. Paul says, For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because of the creation itself also will be delivered from bondage and corruption. Um, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. But not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves eagerly awaiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Um, And then also in verse 26, skipping down a few. um, You know, likewise, the Spirit helping us in our weakness. We don't know how to pray as we ought, but, you know, the Spirit himself makes intercessions with groanings which cannot be uttered. Um, You know, sometimes even in our prayer lives, you know, we're just, we don't know it even to pray. We're maybe just distraught or whatnot. And it's encouraging to see that the Holy Spirit can pray on our behalf, even with just groanings that we can't even utter, you know, and, and, and it's just showing that, uh, suffering is part of the package deal as a Christian, as a believer. Um, also real quick, second Corinthians, uh, chapter one. Um, Second Corinthians chapter one, uh, verse seven. It says, and we know, uh, and our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also you will be partakers of the consolation. So once again, we see, you know, the theme of suffering. Um, another really good one is in Philippians chapter one, uh, verse 29. Salud. Um, Paul says, uh, For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but to also suffer for his sake. You know, and that's a big one there. Um, and he says, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. You know, Paul suffered. You know, the guy went through through hell at times. And sometimes, uh, as followers of Christ, that's just part of the package deal. Like, God has a different plan for all of our lives. You know, some of us may suffer more than others, and God knows best as to why. But it's just something I think that's important to keep in mind, uh, to keep us from, you know, being discouraged as believers um, and then you look to examples like Joseph and, and, and you see how, um, 
you know, God does have a plan. Um, you know, when we realize that it's Christ we're suffer- suffering for, uh, it also gives purpose to our suffering. You know, when we realize that we're not just suffering just to suffer, it's it's for somebody, for, and not even just a cause, it's it's for for Christ. Um, James chapter 1, he says, My brethren, you know, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, uh, uh, but let patience have its perfect work, that it may be perfect and complete or mature, lacking nothing. And here we see suffering has purpose. You know, God is using it to um, not only identify ourselves with Christ, but also to become more like Christ. You know, it works out those things with uh, patience and, and maturity as believers. Um, and also, too, you know, there are some sufferings that aren't always for Christ. You know, sometimes we, our own stupidity, you know, we create our own sufferings at times, you know. Um, and also, I think it's just important to make sure that, you know, if we are suffering for Christ, that it's because of our witness for Christ, you know, not just because we're, you know, being a jerk about it or something, you know, <laughs> you know, just trying to start arguments for the sake of arguments, you know, regarding whatever Christianity or, you know, we just need to be careful because sometimes it's our fault too in that if we're just being jerks about our faith or whatever, you know, you just make sure it's because of our witness, of, you know, for Christ. Um, uh, you know, there's also great comfort in knowing that Christ himself suffered, you know, and that by sharing in his sufferings, we become more like him. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse uh, 15, real quick. <clears throat> uh, he says... Uh, Um, for he died for all, that those who live should no, long, no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. You know, and that that includes suffering there on, on his behalf. Um, also, Galatians chapter two, uh, verse twenty. <clears throat> And it says, uh, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the f- flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, so he, he's saying I, I'm identifying with Christ, you know, by crucifying not only our flesh, but also even difficulty. You know, we're identifying with Christ when, when we suffer. Um, You know, and I think even as Easter is approaching, I think it, I don't know. Just I think it's important. Let's let's keep some of these things in mind regarding you know the sufferings of Christ and and even how it relates to our sufferings for for Him. You know, it, it um, how all those things relate to each other. You know, just the timing of all this. Um, so you know, just looking at chapter forty here. You know, what are some things we can take away from this? You know, what are some important elements here? Um, one, kind of looking back, 
earlier in the chapter, like we said earlier, it's, it's like we said, it's important to be sensitive to others. You know, the way Joseph was in verse uh, 6 through 7. Uh, like we said, we're never going to know how God can use that for his glory. Um, and like we said, it's especially important for us to remember, even as, as guys, as men, you know, maybe sensitivity may not be our strength, but it's important to remember. Um, and like we said earlier, it's also important to not let our difficulties consume us, you know, to the point where uh, we're not sensitive to how God wants to use us. Um, and like we said earlier, had Joseph been so overwhelmed with the injustice done to him, uh, he may have missed his whole opportunity to be used by God, you know, the whole plan for saving the nation of Israel. Um, and another thing I think that's just important on this chapter, like we said earlier, staying humble, you know, as God uses us, uh, as Joseph was, you know, um, he had a great ability for God to use him, yet he had a pretty level head about it, um, and also, I think it's important to remember as, as we kind of close here, um, that even though people may forget about us, uh, God does not forget about us. You know, we saw that in verse 23. Um, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says, Let our conduct be without covetousness, be content with such things that we have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, and that's a, an important verse to refer to during those times where maybe we think that, uh, you know, God may have be forgetting about us or abandoning us or whatnot. You know, Jesus himself says in the red letters, I will never leave you or forsake you. You know, that's, that's in red ink. You can count on that. <laughs> um, and like we said earlier, sometimes, you know, our greatest disappointments are really God's greatest appointments in our lives, you know, at times. Um, and then also, finally, it's important to have the proper perspective in, in regards to suffering. Um, you know, as Christians, when we suffer for Christ, we need to remember that who it is we're suffering for. And like we said, this gives our suffering purpose and meaning. You know, it's just not uh, a hopeless situation. Um, and also it's important for us to remember that Christ himself suffered for us. So by suffering, we can identify with him and become more like him. You know, so someone gives you a hard time and you're, you know, whatever being persecuted or you're just in a bad situation. You can, you can thank those people because you know what? They're giving you opportunity to become more like Christ. You know, it's just kind of helps change our perspective on that, you know, or even whatever, if it's just a situation outside of your control, you know, sometimes it's like, you know what? This is an opportunity really. Um, <clears throat> Real quick, I want to go over to Psalms uh, chapter, Psalm 71. <clears throat> if you go in the hallway of our church, in the downstairs, there's a, there's a framed photograph of Joseph and he's in prison and his head's down and he looks really bummed out. My dad actually has the same picture in his office. Um, and below that picture, there's a little plaque and it, it quotes Psalm 71. Um, I just want to read that in closing. Um, like we were saying, this was a time during David's life, like we were saying earlier, just a real waiting period of waiting and suffering and running and hiding from Saul. Um, 
you know, a situation similar to Joseph's. And this is what David wrote. He says, In you, O Lord, uh, I put my trust. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness and cause me to escape. Uh, Incline your ear to me and save me. Be my strong refuge to which I may resort to continually. For you have given the commandment to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Uh, Deliver me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and the cruel man. Uh, For you are my hope, O Lord God. You are my trust from my youth. Uh, By you I have been upheld from birth. You are he who took me out of my mother's womb, and my praise shall be continually of you. I have become as a wander to many, but you are my strong refuge. Let my mouth be filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Do not forsake me when my strength fails. For my enemies speak against me, and those who lie and wait for my life, they take counsel together and they say, God has forsaken him. Pursue and take him, for there is none to to deliver him. Oh, my God, do not be far from me. Oh, my God, make haste to help me. Let them be confounded and consumed who are adversaries of my life. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor who seek my hurt. But I will hope continually, and I will praise you yet more and more. Uh, My mouth shall tell of your righteousness and your salvation all the day. For I do not know their limits. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of your righteousness, of yours only. O God, you have taught me from my youth, and to this day I declare your wondrous works. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, do not forsake me uh, until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. Also your righteousness, O God, is very high. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you. Uh, You who have shown me great and severe troubles shall revive me again and bring me up from the depths of the earth. You shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. Also with the lute I will praise you, and your faithfulness I will sing, O my God. And to you I will sing with the harp, O Holy One of Israel. My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing to you, and my soul, which you have redeemed. Uh, My tongue also shall talk of your righteousness all the day long, for they are confounded for those who are brought to shame who seek my hurt. You know, and like we were saying, David, he, you know, wrote a lot of these psalms during times very similar to Joseph's, where he was just waiting, really. You know, God had a big plan for his life, but it was not an easy uh, transition during his life. And uh, a couple years ago, I got to go to Israel, and, and we actually hiked in along the caves where David hid for a long time from Saul. And it was just trippy just seeing that, you know, and, and it was a great reminder that, you know, there are going to be those times in, in our lives. And and um, yet David did not uh, lose hope in his God, and he, he neither did uh, Joseph. You know, even though others turned against them, others forgot about them, uh, God did not forget his servants. So, um, you know, some of us here tonight, um, you know, maybe maybe uh, maybe you may have experienced a great disappointment, you know, in your life recently, or maybe even a few years ago, and you're just still maybe really bummed about it. Um, like we said earlier, maybe this great disappointment could very possibly God's greatest appointment in your life. 
you know, in his plan for you. So having said that, uh, let us pray. Lord, we just want to come before you, Lord. We do thank you, Lord, for your word, Lord, your scriptures, Lord, that just speak to us, Lord, minister to us. And there's just so much uh, wealth, Lord, in them. And we, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for men like Joseph, Lord, who, um, Lord, are just great examples to us, Lord. Those of us who uh, may be going through great difficulty tonight, Lord, um, I pray you would speak to us, Lord, all of us individually where we're at, Lord, um, regarding a situation, Lord, that just may be uh, overwhelming at times, Lord. Help us to remember, Lord, that even though other people may forget about us, Lord, you do not forget about us as we're going to see in the next coming chapters, Lord, as we continue, Lord, through the, the book of Genesis, Lord. You do have a great plan for our lives as your word uh, states, Lord. Lord, I just want to lift anyone here tonight who may be going through something, Lord. Just touch them, Lord, where they're at. Give them the strength they need, Lord, just to endure and to move forward. And just to have the the perspective, Lord, um, that, that you are in control and that you have a great plan for our lives, Lord. Um, use these disappointments, Lord, just to really... Give us a fresh perspective, Lord. We just lift these things to you, Lord. Be with the ladies tonight as well, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. <laughs> Thank you.